You're listening to the Profit Without Worry podcast, episode number 83. Let's talk about the top five worries I hear from clients, students, and you, my listeners, about marketing and growing your business. Specifically, how the heck do I create consistent profit without worry in my business? Hey there, I'm Michelle Evans, and this is the show where coaches, experts, and business owners like us get real about what it takes to create a profitable online business. I can tell you from experience that nonstop hustle plus random acts of marketing do not equal success. So how do we attract a steady flow of clients and sales without all the hustle? This is the Profit Without Worry podcast. Hey there, I'm so glad that you're joining me today. Thanks for letting me be a part of your week. I really love having these conversations. Okay, today we're tackling, tackling, (laughs) tackling the top five worries I hear from clients, students, and people like you, my listeners, about marketing and growing your business. Specifically, how the heck do I create consistent profit in my business, right? And look, before we dive in, I want to acknowledge just how hard it is to start and run any business, but especially an online business. Whether you're a coach, consultant, expert, product creator, event creator, you know, whatever you're doing, running an online business takes a lot of commitment and tenacity. Because, hello, we get knocked down a lot, right? But the business, the businesses and the business owners who thrive and grow over time, they're the ones who get back up time and time again, learning from every misstep and mistake along the way. And even for the best, most committed of us, sometimes these worries can creep in, right? Especially when we're kind of down. Like I've had, definitely had my moments where I'm up and down and up and down, right? So let's clear these worries up and talk about what you can do to avoid them or at least minimize them a bit. After today's episode, I'd love to hear which worries are your hot buttons and any ahas you had in listening to today's episode. You can find me on social media or you can email me at michelle at michellelevans.com and I'll link to my social media today in today's show notes so that you can find me, you know, really easily with just a click. You can look in your podcasting app or go to profitwithoutworry.com forward slash episode 83. All right, let's dive in. Worry number one. I'm not good at marketing. Oh my goodness, do I hear this all the time. I hear this from people, you know, that fill out my Borrow Your Brain application. I hear it from students and potential students. I hear it from people on social media. And usually it's because they feel like there's some secret that they're missing to make this marketing thing work. There's this idea that you're either born with the marketing gene, whatever that is, or you're not. But What's really at play is something else entirely. You see, the best marketers actually do have something in common. Two things, two somethings to be exact. And those two things are something you have too. The first thing they're good at is listening. They listen to their audience. They listen to the conversation their audience is having online. They listen to their struggles, their stories, and their pains. They listen to their big desires, their dreams, and their frustrations. 
with getting those desires, right? Like they really, really listen. They listen closely and strategically, but they don't just listen. They take that listening a step further. They write down the stories. They write down the words. They write down the phrases and create what Nikki Elledge Brown calls a copy bank, kind of like a piggy bank, but ideas for copy of what you'd put in blog posts and podcasts and videos and emails and landing pages and opt-ins, right? The copy bank is your piggy bank of words and phrases coming directly from your audience. So that's thing number one. The second thing that people who are quote unquote good at marketing, the second thing that they're good at is solving problems. After listening to their audience and strategically listening, right? Not just like superficially listening and then saying, oh, I know what the real issue is. I'm going to fix this. But really strategically listening and creating that copy bank. After they've done that, people who are good at marketing their businesses take it a step further. They create offers. They create products, programs, services, events, you know, and more freebies and whatnot. They create an offer that solves the problem their audience already knows they have. They don't try to convince their audience that they have a problem, right? If you're trying to sell aspirin to somebody who's never, ever, 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 ever had a headache, it's going to be really hard to convince them that they need to buy it. And the same goes for whatever it is that you're selling. So what you want to do, and people who are really good at marketing, they are really good at meeting their audience at the problem they already know they have. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't take them forward to the problem they really do have, they just don't know about yet, but you have to start where they already are. You have to meet them where they already are because that's what they're looking for. This is a subtle but incredibly important distinction. You see, you don't have to be a brilliant marketer. In fact, the best marketers, honestly, are just great at listening, at asking the right questions and listening and taking notes and really paying attention to what their audience is saying, and then providing their audience with a solution to the problems they already know they have, and creating a clear path for your audience to discover and buy their offer, your offer. It's simple yet powerful. And when I tell people this, they're always like, no, it has to be, it has to be more complicated than that. Like I, I have to be good at tech. I have to be good at video. I have to be good at all these things. And I'm like, (laughs) honestly, what you have to be good at is getting into your audience's mind. Like that's what's going to make you, uh, you know, quote unquote, good marketer. That honestly, that's what does it. Think about the people that you love. Think about the brands that you love. They're meeting you at the problem or the desire that you already have. And they're just showing you how their product, program, service, event, you know, whatever their offer is, how it solves what you have, what what you already want. All right, worry number two, I'm too scattered. I get this a lot because um, in my audience, I have a lot of people who are really high on innovation, probably a good quarter to maybe third of my audience is really high on innovation. And, you know, if you're high on innovation, that means you've got a lot of great ideas, right? And it can feel like you're really scattered, but it's actually one of your key distinct advantages. So see if this sounds familiar to you. Do you ever feel like you spend a lot of time, money, and energy doing a ton of things? Like, 
either having a lot of uh, marketing activities or going to a lot of events or whatever. So things like posting and engaging on all the social media platforms, going to as many networking events as humanly possible, spending time blogging, podcasting, and or creating videos on the regular, feeling very, very busy, maybe very drained, doing tons of random acts of marketing that you've heard about from gurus and experts. But even with all that effort, it's not working. And if you're anything like me, instead of taking a look at all of those activities, like auditing all these activities, right, to find a way to make all that hard work pay off, instead it's it's like human nature to turn a critical eye on ourselves, blaming ourselves for not being good enough or tech savvy enough or just plain old enough. You know what? I know that I fall prey and I fell prey a lot to this thinking and I'd spend huge amounts of time beating myself up for not being good enough, especially in the first like four-ish years of my business. But you know what I found though? I was enough and guess what? You are enough too. What I found was that I needed a system to take people from stranger to client and that's where a marketing funnel really comes in. And truly it saved my business, my health and my sanity. I know I've told the story a number of times on the podcast, so I'll give you the like Cliff's Note version, right? I joined this $30,000 a year mastermind and the coach was who led the mastermind is a seven she's very successful. She's a seven-figure multi-seven-figure a year coach. But her personality is like the exact opposite of mine. She's big, she's like flashy, she's in your face, she's you know, really, really um, powerfully um, charismatic, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, And her whole thing that she just wanted to have everybody emulate is go to as many events as humanly possible, shake as many hands as you can, get as many business cards as you can, get pay to get up on that stage and sell all that you can, and you will be successful. And you know what? It actually, it worked for her. Like I can't fault her for that, but it didn't work for me because that's not how I show up best, right? So after nine months in that mastermind, I had made zero new sales and I had had over a thousand sales calls with people that I had met at events. And one night in the middle of the night, like I had this panic attack and I woke up and I was just like, what? what am I going to do? I can't do this anymore. I can't leave my family. I can't get on another plane. I can't go to another event. This is just not working. And I'm starting to feel really fakey about it. And I was like, you know, what would feel better? And I just put in a super simple marketing funnel. I mean, friends, like it was a PDF that I put together in probably like an hour and a half. I wrote up three different emails to my list and I said, hey, you know, if you're interested in this PDF, click here to download it. Of the people that downloaded it, 26 people signed up for a call with me. Now, these are the same people who've already said no to working with me, but 26 of them signed up to have a call right away. And um, out of that, I got 12 new clients within three weeks I sold over $60,000 worth of stuff, which just allowed me to be like, okay, I don't have to worry about the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And 
it really got me on the path to say, you know, all these random acts of marketing that I was trying to emulate my very successful um, mastermind coach leader uh, with, it doesn't work for me. I needed to find the right way to engage people and just going out there and doing a ton of stuff because I was busy. I like I went to over 50 events in a nine month period of time. Now, some of them were small and near me. Some of them I had to get on an airplane and, and fly to, but 50 events in nine months. Think about that. It's a lot of events. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of getting out there. And for somebody, I wouldn't say I'm a total introvert, but I definitely am like on the amniovert, right? Like half introvert, half extrovert. I love people, but too much people makes me really tired. And at that nine month period of time, I I just didn't have it in me anymore. I was too tired. I like small intimate connections with people versus like seven, 800 people events where you're just run around, you know, shaking hands and taking business cards and following up afterwards. That just didn't feel right to me. But you know, what I found is that I could do all those events. I could spend all that time and money and energy doing those things, but without a system, without a profit system running in the background, I was kind of like, yeah, do you have these in your hometown? Like the pizza guys who stand on the corner or sometimes like the the mattress people are standing on the corner with these big signs and they're, you know, like spinning them around. They're like, you know, two for one pizza deal or, you know, 50% off your mattresses today. It's like this desperate, random, waving a sign, hoping people stop by and, you know, buy a pizza dinner or I don't know who buys a mattress as like a, I'd, I've I've never in my life been like, oh, there's a dude waving a mattress sign. I'm going to pull over and buy a mattress. Like, I don't know anybody who does that, but whatever. You know, they're randomly on the side of the road, waving these signs, hoping people stop by and buy their stuff, right? And that's how I felt when I spent my entire day doing all sorts of marketing things, you know, I'd spend my day posting to Facebook, posting to, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn and going in Facebook groups and interacting with questions in Facebook groups, posting on LinkedIn and going into LinkedIn groups and interacting, doing a blog or a podcast or a video, maybe sending in some pitches to be a speaker or a guest podcaster or a guest blogger. Like I was doing all the things. I was that pizza guy on the corner waving my sign like, look at me, look at me, come by from me. And it was so stressful. Please learn from my mistakes. Don't, don't be the pizza guy doing random and desperate acts of marketing. And it's done from a place of, I just want to do something, right? Like it's not done from a bad place. It's like, you know, this is working for all these other people. Why can't I make it work for me? That's what the pizza guy represents to me is like, you know, we just need bodies in our in our pizza joint and we'll be good. And once I created my marketing funnel, it was easy to see what worked and what didn't so that I could go from all these crazy random acts of marketing to a clear, focused, and let's be honest, a lot more valuable experience for my audience. And, and if you don't have a marketing funnel, I highly encourage you to roll up your sleeves and get focused so that you can have a system that works for you 24 seven to help turn strangers into clients without you having to stand on the street corner waving your pizza sign, right? All right, worry number three, I don't know my audience. 
This comes up in a lot of different ways, and I've heard it from students and clients, especially when they start first working with me. And it's something I struggled with as well. People will often say, I don't know who to target. I don't know how to target them. I don't know where my people are hanging out. Like, I just, I'm not sure where to find them. And you know what? Like, look, all these worries I've done too. So if you're in any of this camp, hey, you're in good company and there's definitely light on the other end. But I want to say, you know, this comes from, I think that this comes from a lot, the insane customer avatar worksheets that it seems almost every single online course is pushing. And I've got to say, I hate those stupid customer avatar sheets, especially when you're trying to launch or create something new. I don't really care what blogs people read. I don't care what kind of car they drive. I don't care if they're single or in a relationship. I don't care if they're living in a big city or a rural town. I don't care if people are 25 or 75. That's not what matters for what I do. And until you get super sophisticated with thousands of dollars of advertising spend a month, it probably doesn't matter for you either. Look, I'm a mom. I have lots of mom friends. I have kids that are just finishing up the 11th grade, the fifth grade, and the first grade. So next year, I'm going to have a senior in high school, right? I'm going to have a high schooler, a middle schooler, and an elementary schooler. I've got two girls and a boy. And yes, I drive a minivan. But just because I'm a mom of three doesn't mean I have the same problems, dreams, and desires as a mom of three kids that are, say, you know, five, three, and an infant, In fact, I guarantee you that the problems I have and think about are like 100% different from a mom of three kids that are five, three and an infant. You can't lump us together by demographics of saying moms of three who drive minivans. We're really different people. It depends on what stage your kids are at, right? Um, I mean, like I think about, I worry about what's the next step for my high schooler. I worry about you know, having conversations about sex health. I worry about cyberbullying. I worry about things that a mom that has a five, three and an infant doesn't like, it might be in the periphery, but she's not really thinking about that. She's thinking about like, how can I get my kids to sleep so that I can have an hour of peace and take a shower? Like she's thinking about, uh, is kindergarten right right now? Like she's thinking about really different things. So here's what I do care about, and I recommend that you do too. What I care about is what problems does my audience have? What fears do they have? What stories are they telling themselves that keep them from their dreams? What are they waking up in the middle of the night worrying about? And that only comes from being a great listener, asking great questions, and then solving the problems that you've discovered. So please, please, please stop trying to create an ideal persona, you know, marry the perfect mommy, and instead start trying to create, trying to find the problems that people have. Like, you know, what do I do when my 11th grader got great SAT scores and doesn't want to go to college? Like, how, how do you have that conversation? So, you know, that's a really different conversation than a mom who's looking at kindergarten for the first time is going to have. Solve those problems by creating and engaging a marketing funnel and your audience will find you because you're going to be meeting them at the problems that they're already searching for. 
All right, worry number four. I don't want to be salesy, sleazy, or pushy. Then don't. Seriously, like it's that simple. Look, when I talk about profit without worry, when I talk about marketing, when I talk about marketing funnels, the first line of defense that I hear from a lot of people, and usually they're like leaning back and crossing their arms, is that they don't want to be salesy, sleazy, or pushy. I've seen people teaching about marketing funnels where the goal is to get into your audience's wallet as fast as humanly possible. In dating terms, you go from, hey, nice to meet you, to, hey, let's hook up right now, in the space of like one click. That works for some businesses who want a churn and burn approach to their marketing. If they don't care about their long-term relationship with their audience, hey, more power to them. I think it's a really expensive way to build your business, but you know, we all get to choose how we run our own businesses. That's not how I choose to engage with my audience. I think it's worth the effort to build a marketing funnel and to really understand where my audience is at, where I'm taking them on a journey, how I can lay out an adventure to, to discover if I'm the person they want to learn from or not. And I'll tell you, it takes a whole lot more work to create a journey than it does to just follow some standard machine-like template of create this opt-in, then immediately upsell, then immediately upsell again, be sure to have the urgency and the scarcity. Like, yeah, those things can work if it's the right journey for your audience, but you know, I don't know if that's right for your audience. You gotta know your audience. You gotta ask those questions. You have to listen. You have to understand where they're at. And in my mind, it's 100% worth the effort to lay the foundation of having a system that really serves your audience first. Okay, worry number five. I'm worried about all this time and effort to create a marketing funnel. What if it fails? Whew, that's a toughie. I mean, look, I get it. Failure can be a big kick in the gut. But what is failure, really? I mean, you know, for me, especially probably the first four to four and a half years of my business, failure was me being a failure as a person, right? It was, it was proof that I wasn't good enough to run a business. Oh, that's tough. And I wouldn't still be in business if that was still what failure meant to me. I've had my share of, of failures. Like I've had probably more than my fair share of failures in running my business. And you may have too. I try to share my own failures, you know, when appropriate throughout the podcast, because I want you to know that it's normal. Like let's normalize this struggle of failure. Not that we like want to actively fail, but it's just a normal part of running a business. It's a normal part of doing something new. And look, when I had a job, there were times where I failed. You know, I, I was trying something new and it didn't work out. In fact, I'd venture to say that most successful people in the world and that the most successful people in the world have failed way more than you and I have. And that's probably why they're successful. Let's take a look at a couple. I mean, J.K. Rowling, the author of the worldwide phenomena was uh, Harry Potter, was struggling as a single mom on welfare and public assistance for housing when she wrote her first book. 
Like she talks about it over and over in various commencement speeches and various interviews. She was at rock bottom. She had no, like failure couldn't make her go down anymore. So she finally just had to give up and just write the book that was in her head that people said she was crazy about. Google Richard Branson failures. Just, you know, jump on Google and type in Richard Branson failures. And you know who Richard Branson is, right? He's the guy who started Virgin Airlines, and he's considered one of the biggest entrepreneurial successes of our lifetime. Well, Google his name and failures, and you're going to find 515,000 articles about his biggest failures. Have you failed enough to have 515,000 articles written about you? Probably not. I know I haven't, even though sometimes it kind of feels like I have. Nowhere near that, right? And then Oprah. I mean, I love Oprah. When Oprah first started in TV, her very first boss told her that she was too emotional and not right for TV and paid her half as much as her male co-anchor because she was a single woman. Oprah has made a lot of brilliant moves and many, many, many mistakes over the years. But one of the best things about Oprah is that she celebrates failure. She's basically, you know, shared all of her failures publicly and transparency, transparently, which is why her audience loves her so much. And last year, Oprah went to visit Stanford Graduate Business School of Business. Um, she went to, you know, I'm not sure if she was giving a speech or just being interviewed by them, but she told the students, stop the crazy mind chatter in your head that tells you you're not good enough. Okay, that's great advice, right? Oprah advised students that even when their long-term goals are unclear, the important thing is to banish self-doubt and continue forward no matter how small the step. The way through the challenge is to get still. She loves meditation. And I think that I've done, I don't even know how many times, the meditations that her and Deepak Chopra do. I love them all. But she says, get still and ask yourself, what is the next right move? And then from that space of grounded clarity, make the next right move, no matter how small and then the next right move, and then the next right move, right? And I can't think of a better question for you and I to ask ourselves. What is the next right move? For me, I say the next right move is to create your own profit without worry system. It really takes the power away from all the noise and chatter out there about all the random acts of marketing that everybody else is doing and what's working for other people. And instead, it lets you focus. It lets you focus on what works for you and your personality style. It lets you focus on where your audience is, what problems they have, how you want to serve them. It just lets you take all the crazy mind chatter out there that's easy to sneak in, especially when, you know, people are shouting about their successes from the rooftops, but not sharing their failures. And instead, it lets you say, all right, I hear that and I see that and I'm going to focus on what works for me and my audience. So what about you? Do you have a deep desire to create a profit without worry marketing funnel that 
feels connected and personalized for your audience that takes them on a journey? Are you looking for a system to take all the random acts of marketing and turn them into a way to engage and attract your buying audience? Then I want to invite you to hop on over to take the marketing funnel quiz. It's at michellelevans.com forward slash quiz, and I'll link to it in today's show notes, which you can find at profitwithoutworry.com forward slash episode 83. As you were listening to this, did you think of someone who could use these insights about creating their first marketing funnel, about creating a profit without worry system? If you could think of someone who could use this, would you do both of us a big favor and share this episode with them? It's so easy to do from whatever podcasting app you're listening to, or you can just go to the URL for today's show at profitwithoutworry.com forward slash episode 83. And your friend can listen right there on the computer, on their phone, or, you know, whatever is most convenient for them. All right. I hope you have an amazing week and I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place on another great episode of Profit Without Worry. See you then.